Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode, with policy dictating a reduced nitrogen allowance on farms, Deirdre Hennessy provides mitigation strategies to maintain grass growth while spreading lower levels of chemical nitrogen. The first thing is the European Union set out new targets last year in the Green Deal in fertilizer use on agricultural land across Europe. Uh, And the target there is 20% reduction in fertilizer across Europe. Now, what that will translate into for Ireland, I suppose, still has to be um, ironed out or determined. But certainly from a European Union point of view, there is um, going to be a requirement for a reduction in fertilizer. Another issue um, specific to Ireland is this year we have to renegotiate the nitrates derogation again with the European Commission. um, And there's going to be big um, pressure on Ireland to reduce uh, nitrogen fertilizer as part of that derogation. And this is all linked to water quality. Um, And there has been some deterioration in water quality, though, you know, in comparison to Europe, we still have quite good water quality status, but I suppose we want to maintain it. And, uh, you know, there's all the other issues around um, climate change and there are targets in the in the government climate action plan um, around reducing fertilizer with, for example, white clover. Um, And then I suppose farmers must be mindful of the image of farming by the wider public. And, and really, I suppose, our social license to farm and, you know, the implications of what we do in terms of that. So, you know, there's a number of aspects to, to this whole context of, of reducing chemical nitrogen um, fertilizer or the pressure that will come on us to reduce it. And if we consider the implications from a productivity perspective, Deirdre, all of the things being equal, um, if you reduce chemical nitrogen you would expect to see a reduction in grass production and if we take the example of where somebody has been spreading 250 kilos of n and they reduce that by 20 percent could you quantify the reduction that you would see in terms of grass production yeah that's a that's a good point um emma louise so yes um last year um a number of chagas researchers were involved in looking at this exact thing and to see what a 20% reduction in fertilizer or a 50 kilo reduction in fertilizer application would mean in terms of herbage production at farm level. Um, And we used the most grass growth model uh, as well as a range of um, production data, um, grass growth data and so on to to estimate this. And overall, um, regardless of stocking rate, you know, we're looking at around uh, 800 kilos of dry matter per hectare to a ton of dry matter per hectare reduction in herbage production. So, you know, we looked at this at uh, stocking rates of 2.5 up to three uh, cows per hectare. So, okay, we, we're seeing this reduction in herbage production, but, you know, this also has an impact in, in terms of feed deficit. So, you know, at about at two, 2.5 cows per hectare, generally we don't have a feed deficit on our farms. We can grow enough grass to feed the cows across the year um, and enough to make silage for the winter period. But we, if we have a reduction in um, in fertilizer going into the system, all all thing else being held the same, we're we're going to see an increase in um, in the fee, in feed deficit there. So you know feed deficit is going to increase by about a half a ton 
per hectare, but as the stocking rate increases, that that deficit increases. So up a three three cows per hectare, you know, the deficit could be about uh, 2.2 uh, tons of dry matter per hectare. Um, Granted, at three cows per hectare, there's probably already a deficit of about a ton and a half, but, you know, that's going to increase. So if we change nothing else and we have a reduction in fertilizer and nitrogen um, allowance, we're going to see a reduction in the amount of grass grown and available uh, for utilisation, either under grazing or as silage on our farms. And looking then to that deficit and, you know, three cows per hectare is probably a standard enough stocking rate on a lot of farms when we look at the milking platform alone. Now, I know Mm -hmm. that, you know, silage often comes from other places, but like, have you any suggestions or solutions as to how farmers can mitigate that um, deficit that you're talking about? Yeah. So there's a few things they can do, Emma Louise. I mean, the number one thing is, and everything that I'm talking about is assuming that soil fertility is right. Yet we know on a large number of our dairy farms, soil fertility is below optimum. So the first thing to do is, you know, look at your soil pH and get that up to optimum. So, you know, 6.2 or higher um, and get to index um, three for P and K. Then you will make the best use that can be made of the fertilizer nitrogen that is that is allowed or that that is applied. There are other things then as well, you know, um, like um, making use of the first, uh, sorry, of the nitrogen that's available on your farm in slurry. So getting it out in the spring, you would get a better return than applying it in the summer. And if you use less application strategies, which all derogation farms have to use now, you will get a better, um, you get a better return in terms of the fertilizer compared to using a splash plate. So, you know, if, for example, taking slurry that is applied in the spring uh, using less uh, technology. So, for example, trailing shoe, if you're applying 2,500 gal- 2, gallons per acre. That's worth about 23 kilos of nitrogen per hectare. So that's a nice bit of nitrogen in the spring. But the important thing is if you're putting out slurry, you know, reduce the amount of chemical fertilizer that's going out. Um, and that'll, that'll help you get towards reducing um, the, you know, meeting the targets for reduced fertilizer use. There are other things then as well. Um, so we've said soil fertility and we've said slurry. Also, you know, think about when you're putting out your fertilizer and, and when do you need it? Look, something that's straightforward is if you're making bales in every single rotation in the summer, you're, you're growing too much grass for your requirements. So you can cut some fertilizer. If you can, if you reduce the fertilizer that's going out, you will reduce the amount of grass grown. Now, I've, you know, you have to take into account that you do need a certain number of bales. But if you're still making bales in July and August, you know, there is room there to um, to reduce uh, fertilizer use. And I suppose the other um, thing that farmers can do when they can start to work on this now is to incorporate white clover into their swords. Um, and we have eight years research here in Moore Park. Um, comparing grass getting 250 kilos of nitrogen compared to grass clover getting 150 kilos of nitrogen. And both treatments have been able to grow the same quantities of grass per year. Um, And, you know, that's not just a 20% saving in fertilizer, that's a 40% um, reduction in fertilizer. So there are options, um, Emma Louise. And the other thing farmers need to think about is, you know, measuring their grass, because if you measure your grass, you know what you're growing. You can predict your deficits and you can predict your surpluses and that'll help you manage what's available. 
And we have a very nice piece of information available now for the last year or so uh, in terms of the prediction of grass growth using the most grass growth model for Moor Park. And that information is available every week uh, through the Grass 10 newsletter, but it's also available every Sunday on the farming forecast after the one, the one o'clock news on RTE1. Uh, and there you can see the prediction of grass growth for the week ahead. Um, if looking back, um, comparing the prediction in 2020 compared to the actual grass grown in 2020, we see a very close relationship between the two. And while the absolute figures might not be exactly the same for your individual farm, at least the trend will be the same. So if we're seeing an increase in grass growth, you know, in general across the country, there will be an increase on, in grass growth on your farm. So you can take that into consideration as well when you're planning your, your, um, your fertilizer strategy for, for the week ahead. And, you know, increases in grass growth are driven by uh, soil temperature, uh, moisture availability, and so on. But also what happens in the soil if we have, um, good soil temperatures, uh, warm soil temperatures that are conducive to grass growth, and we have some moisture available. There is a background release of nit nitrogen occurring in the soil, so through ni soil nitrogen mineralization. So there is background nitrogen there available. So I suppose there's a lot of little things going on, Emma-Louise, that can contribute to farmers um, mitigating against the reduction in nitrogen fertilizer. Yeah, and I think you've you've said a whole lot there, Deirdre, and in ways, a lot of this is what we've heard before. Like it's a lot of the basics, yep. like getting the fertility right, yep. you know, get the soil pH spreading lime, a really, really cheap uh, fertilizer type product that, um, you know, once the, the soil pH is right, um, once P and K is right, you know, the benefits of getting those to optimum, that could actually, um, I suppose, um catch up in terms of that deficit that you're talking about from in, uh, reducing the nitrogen that's an interesting concept also that you mention in relation to you know assessing the amount of surplus you have on the farm at particular times like it's something that you know I haven't heard much before but in terms of if you're making bales in every rotation maybe there's too much nitrogen being spread on the farm and there, there's excess grass in the system so that's something that people can monitor you know over the coming months I think the measuring grass piece is another interesting point and maybe for somebody who isn't measuring every week um, you know something that they can monitor there is the number number of rotations that they're completing across particular paddocks um, in order to put that estimation on what you're talking about. If, if we move, move on, Deirdre, and we talk about nitrogen use efficiency or our nutrient use efficiency, and it's something that's coming up more and more. But, you know, maybe, you know, for some people, it's a relatively new concept or they have little understanding for it and at this point. But can you give us information as to how you would calculate that for your farm? Yeah, so nitrogen use efficiency and indeed um, the uh, nutrient use efficiency for any of the nutrients that we're using on our farm. Basically, it's like a balance sheet, uh, Emma-Louise. So it's basically... Uh, how efficiently we are using the nutrients coming onto the farm in terms of product product going off the farm. So, you know, what are the sources of nitrogen coming onto the farm? So this is what's bought onto the farm. So it's basically it's feed and fertilizer. And if we purchase livestock and the nitrogen going out of the farm for most dairy farmers, it's going to be um, milk 
um, and any livestock that they sell. So be it cull cows or bull calves or so on. Um, if farmers are selling um, silage or you know surplus grass, that also would be um, an output in terms of of nitrogen. But you know that that's less common. So basically, then, so uh, it's it's a balance between the two. So if you're 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 importing X and you're selling Y, well, the efficiency of the use is Y divided by X. And and put a figure on it, like what what would you see on farms as a standard nitrogen use efficiency, Deirdre, and how would that compare to Target? Yeah, so look, um, our colleagues in the National Farm Survey, Emma Louise, have uh, look at this um, every few years and their latest figures, uh, which they released last year, are showing that, you know, the national average nitrogen use efficiency on dairy farms is around 24%. Okay. So that basically means that 24% of the nitrogen that is purchased into the farm is converted into product that is sold from the farm. Okay. The industry target, you know, um, is around 35%. So that's 11 percentage points more than, than where we currently are. Um, and I suppose, you know, some people might say, well, we're only at 24%. How, how are we possibly going to get to 35%? But look, you know, I think there, there is plenty of opportunity at farm level to increase um, our nitrogen use efficiency. And from some work we've done in Moorpark on in experiments, you know, we can see for, uh, nitrogen use efficiencies of 40 to 50 plus percent. So it's definitely possible to achieve um, the target and to increase our nitrogen use efficiency. Um, you're probably going to ask me next, Emma Louise, how, how we go about achieving that. And I guess, Deirdre, from the perspective, like, you know, a lot of the mitigation strategies that you would have documented, you know, will add to that. But I guess if, yeah. if we could focus particularly on the white clover and, you know, you mentioned that you've the same level of productivity yeah. at 150 kilos of N when we compare it to 250 kilos. So where does that sit in relation to the nitrogen use efficiency? Yeah. So, I mean, that's really driving up our nitrogen use efficiency. You know, it's you know, over 55%. And look, where is that coming from? Well, as I said, we're growing the same amount of um, grass on the grass only compared to the grass clover. So in our, in those grass, grass only systems, getting 250 kilos of nitrogen, we're achieving about 40% nitrogen use efficiency. So that's a little bit ahead of the industry target. Okay. Uh, then that's that's increased to 55% plus when we put the clover into the system. But you know, that's largely driven, Emma Louise, by the drop in fertilizer application. So, you know, we have 100 kilos less fertilizer going out in that grass white clover system compared to the grass only system. But the other thing is we also have higher milk solids production uh, per cow from that system. So we're selling more nitrogen off the farm in terms of milk solids. So about 20, 25 kilos more um, milk solids per cow. OK, so they, they're the two key areas um, where we're where we're increasing the nitrogen use efficiency in the white clover system. Now, you know, to get the advantages of white clover in the system so that we're not seeing a hit in nitrogen or sorry, in herbage production, which then would require the, the purchase of of other feedstuffs in which is more nitrogen into the system, you do need a good uh, white clover content across the sward. So, you know, those systems over eight years have an average sward clover content of about 22%. Um, 
So, you know, that's how clover can have an impact in the system in terms of nitrogen use efficiency. You know, could we increase nitrogen use efficiency in that system? Maybe we could a little bit. So those systems are getting less, uh, less than 450 kilos of concentrate uh, per cow per year, which was obviously increasing the nitrogen, nitrogen use efficiency compared to the national average, because they're getting about half the concentrate or, or slightly less than half. But, you know, maybe if we look at uh, crude protein content in our concentrates, you know, both in, uh, at national level, we could also drive down our, um, our inc sorry, increase our nitrogen use efficiency. So, you know, there's lots of little things that farmers can do as well as having clover in the, in the system, Emma-Louise, to increase that nitrogen use efficiency. But definitely clover offers us a big opportunity to reduce the nitrogen fertilizer input. And I know this is a side point to the, the conversation today, but 20 to 25 kilos more milk solids from the yep. the white clover systems, Deirdre. Where exactly is that coming from? What can you attribute that to? So a lot of it's actually coming in increased milky yield, Emma-Louise, rather than in fatter protein per se. Uh, but where in terms of how are the cows producing more? So some of that is coming from increased intake but also from higher quality feed. So for example, the, the fiber content uh, of the grass clover swards tends to be a bit lower than the grass only swards. And as a result, the digestibility of those swards is higher. Um, and where we get the higher intake is generally that the rumen passage rate is a bit higher, bit higher in, the, um, in the grass clover swards. And again, that's driven by the lower, slightly lower um, fiber content of the grass swards. So yeah, that's um, where we're getting the increase in milk solids. And look, the clonicility work, um, you know, the, the, the first study there over the four years has shown, has also shown an increase in milk solids and the new study that's ongoing in uh, clonicility. Similarly, they're also finding an increase in milk solids. So, you know, depending on the year and so on, you know, that's an average of 20 across, across eight years, but some years that's greater. And for example, in clonicility, you know, they found, you know, 55, 58 kilos of milk solids increase in some years in the study there. So there's definitely, apart from the, the, the advantage in terms of increasing nitrogen use efficiency and reducing nitrogen fertilizer use on the farm, you know, there's another financial benefit for the farmer, and that's in terms of, you know, milk sales um, and, and the, the return on those. Yeah, I guess it's anything that's lowering costs and increasing the, the revenue into the farm is going to have benefit from yep. a financial and economic perspective. Yep. And I think, um, you know, not to dwell on the white clover, but, you know, we, we've touched on it here today. And I guess also we would have heard from James Humphreys in relation to what they have done um, at the Salahead farm and also from Mike Egan and dairy farmer John McNamara in terms of incorporating it in through reseeding and also over sowing. I think finally, Deirdre, it might be nice to touch on, um, I guess, some guidance for farmers um, as to how that 20% reduction might look from a practical perspective. And I, I suppose the starting point would be slurry um, in the spring. And I suppose you've highlighted sp spreading two and a half thousand gallons in the springtime using the less um, techniques can offer 23 kilos of nitrogen um, uh, per hectare. So let's use that as our starting point. Um, can you identify where we're going to get best value from nitrogen and also 
I suppose, areas and opportunities to skimp a little bit on the nitrogen to achieve that 200 kilos per hectare? Okay, so, you know, if we if starting with that 23 kilos of nitrogen per hectare, look, realistically, you're probably not going to get slurry across the whole um, farm in, in the spring. So you're probably looking at a saving of 15 to 20 kilos in terms of, of nitrogen saved by applying um, slurry. Assuming you can get slurry onto, you know, somewhere around half to two thirds of the grazing area, um, or sorry, of the farm area. Um, if you have slurry left, then Emma Louise, you can apply it in the summer. And again, less, less um, techniques, you know, have a higher, um, what would you say? Um, there's more availability of nitrogen, sorry, um, in the summer when we use uh, less techniques and again, uh, compared to trailing shoes. So, you know, again, two and a half thousand gallons per acre, you're talking about something like 15 kilos of nitrogen per hectare. Okay, now it's really important that if you're putting your slurry out, you are reducing the amount of bag or chemical fertilizer that's going out because otherwise you're just putting out, you know, extra nitrogen on top of nitrogen that's already there. And the other thing, I suppose, another way of looking at that is that if you're using less um, techniques to spread your slurry, you should actually be spending less money on um, bag nitrogen or chemical nitrogen. Okay, so that's the first thing. Um, then the other thing is, like we said already, you know, to be aware of what's happening in terms of grass availability on your farm, be aware of prediction and grass growth and be aware of weather conditions. You know, and if you can put all those together and you know you have enough, you have adequate grass, well, you know, there is an opportunity. Certainly, I would say in uh, June, July, August to maybe reduce the amount that's going out in each round. I'm not saying that you like that you don't put fertilizer out. Um, you need some there to feed the grass, but you could reduce uh, what's being applied. Um, and the other thing is, um, Emma Louise, and I know we've touched on it already, but you know, this now is the time you should be thinking about getting clover onto your farm, either over sowing it or including it in your reseed. And the time to be over sowing or, or uh, reseeding with clover is the April and May period and into maybe the middle, they start up to the middle of June. Okay. The reason you want to go early in the year is it allows the sward, uh, the clover plenty of time to establish in the sward. You know, we're still on an increasing plane of soil temperature. Um, you have opportunity for weed control, but most importantly, you have plenty um, opportunity for grazing before you close into the in in the autumn for the winter so you're giving that clover every chance uh, to establish and look you know I think everybody should be seriously planning now for what they're going to do in terms of getting clover on their farm you know if you if you if you're planning on over sowing well maybe control the weeds in your swards this year um, and over sow next year if you know the soil fertility isn't right on the farm However sensitive perennial ryegrass is to um, soil fertility, uh, white clover is more sensitive. So, you know, you do need your good soil pH and you do need index three um, for P's and K's. 
so that clover has every chance of surviving and persisting in the in the sward. You know, so start planning what you can do now. You might not reap the benefits this year, but with a good plan, you will reap the benefits in terms of being able to reduce nitrogen fertilizer without negatively impacting on your overall herbage production in the coming years. And when you've clover in the sward, the real opportunity to reduce nitrogen fertilizer is in that June, July, August period. Um, that's when uh, there's plenty of nitrogen available from fixation. Um, you clover actively growing and contributing to the sward. And it's also the period where you're going to see that increase in milk solids production from your clover swards. Thanks, Deirdre. I think there has been a huge amount of information today and I think maybe even no harm to listen back to this conversation a second time. I mean, you've given us a lot of strategies to, um, I suppose, put in place to mitigate any reduction that might incur uh, on farms in, you know, in conjunction with the reduction in fertilizer. I think, you know, why wait until it's a rule? Take action now. Um, and, you know, things like clover are going to offer a huge amount in terms of nitrogen fixation and nitrogen availability to grass wards, but also getting back to the basics. And we talk about this so often, it, things like your soil fertility, if it's right, your grass is going to be growing and working harder for you on farm. Thank you, Deirdre. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Deirdre Hennessy for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.